You're listening to P-R-O-X. But on this next one, it's a heist movie yeah. set in the real world. So there's a grounded element to it. And it's, it's almost like for you and I to write, how would people pull off this heist? Yeah. You and I essentially had to- To learn how to do it. Literally. Yeah. And that involved you and I flying all over the country. Yeah. We've literally tried to get access into the space that our characters try to. Yeah, it didn't work. Did not work. <laughs> so we wrote a movie. <laughs> exactly. You're listening to In Proximity. Proximity founder Savohanian and his writing partner Anish Chaganti first broke out with the 2018 independent film Searching. It follows David Kim, played by actor John Cho, as he searches for his missing daughter Margot. David soon learns he barely knows his daughter as he discovers the completely different life she's lived online as the story unfolds entirely through screens. Browser windows, instant messages, surveillance footage, and more. It's an innovative mystery thriller that also captures the challenges and vulnerabilities of modern technology. Searching was written by Sev and Anish, directed by Anish, and produced by Sev and their producing partner, Natalie Kasabian. The film premiered at Sundance, where it won several awards and was acquired by Sony Pictures in a bidding war. It went on to make $75 million in theaters globally. Sev and Anish then wrote the script for Run, a psychological thriller directed by Anish and produced by Sev, starring Kira Allen and Sarah Paulson, released in 2020. They also co-wrote the story for Missing, the sequel to Searching, that premiered in January 2023 starring Storm Reid, Nia Long, Ken Leung, and more. On this episode, Sev and Anish break down their writing partnership and process, beat by beat. How they met, how they work together, and how they write stories for the screen. From one sentence idea to finished script. Hey, everybody. This is Sev Ohanian. I am a sometimes screenwriter, sometimes producer, always founder at Proximity Media here with another episode of In Proximity. I'm here with my very good friend and writing partner, Anish Chaganti, and we're actually at the Proximity Media offices. My name is Anish Chaganti. I'm a writer and director. And producer now. And producer, but you know, I don't flaunt that one because you guys are the producers. And today talking about my writing relationship with Sev Ohanian, who I've been in proximity with for the last 10 years. Oh yeah, we did meet in 2012, I think, spring semester yeah. at USC School of Cinematic Arts. And I was a TA, so you weren't necessarily in my class, but I was happy yeah, to be there. <laughs> that's true. It was a producing class that I had to take as a requirement in order to direct the next semester. And we just hit it off. We just connected on our favorite movies, our favorite moments, what in a script was working or what wasn't. You were just also killing it as a producer. You were the kind of guy who was just working on everything. And I guess from my point of view, you had gone off, produced Fruitvale Station with Ryan, who was another USC student, and you'd come back having one Sundance with it. And I was just like, okay, I have to find a way to work with this guy. And I emailed you or texted you wanting to take you out to like celebratory drinks. And I had five ideas for a feature film. I told myself, like, I'm going to pitch all of them to Sev casually in this conversation. And if he liked anyone or whichever one he liked the most, I would just say it was my favorite and see what happened. <laughs> and I eventually pitched one and you were like, you know, I really like that idea. And I was like, no way. That's like my favorite one. And slowly that became a texting relationship about this idea, which became 
an email relationship and a phone call relationship. And slowly and slowly, we were kind of putting the building box of what would become our first screenplay and our only unproduced screenplay <laughs> that we've ever written together. <laughs> I remember that after Sundance, there was a good number of people who did reach out and wanted to get together for whatever reason. After Fruitvale Sundance. Yeah, yeah. After Fruitvale, 2013 Sundance. Yeah. When our movie Fruitvale Station premiered and we got acquired and all that. And I remember very specifically you reaching out because I was always drawn to you when you were a student in the class. In addition to us having like-minded sensibilities when it came to filmmaking and taste, I just always remember you were kind of like a fun student. Like you were often the one who would get excited about things and, you know, your energy was definitely infectious. So I was down to get those drinks with you. And I remember we got the drinks at what they call Tradies, Tradies which yeah. is like the, the <laughs> USC student campus bar. In fact, I think we have it on our calendar. It's like a yeah, recurring event every year of like mm -hmm. celebrating. And I did not know at the time that you were starting the foundation of our partnership on a lie. Yeah. That, that's information that I learned many, many years <laughs> later. I actually was at, at Sundance. Sundance. <laughs> when we were there with our movie Searching, we were doing interviews and somebody asked us to like tell each other something you never told each other before. And I said, you know, Anish, I just respect you, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, hey, Seb, I lied to you, bro. Like I was going to say any of those projects is that my was five favorite. five years ago. So halfway into our relationship. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so I remember you had this really cool idea. It was just a long line, I think, or even like mm -hmm. the smallest of a concept, but I was really drawn to it. It felt to me like, man, that would make for a really good movie. It would make for a lot of cool visuals, really cool stakes. I've never seen that before. And it wasn't like an overnight thing. It wasn't like that night we like clinked our glasses and said, let's write this movie together. It was more like, cool, let's just keep chatting. But like you said, over many, many weeks of texting or then emailing, and, and you, you were quite persistent, I remember, in a really cool way, that I started looking forward to like hearing from you because I was so into the idea. And I can immediately tell that we were on very similar wavelengths with this. And I think you had written one script before with someone else yeah. who you had shared with me that script. Mm -hmm. I always remember that you refused to email it to me. Yeah, you so insisted on so watermarking dumb. it, yeah, printing so it out, and the dropping it off. The only executive also I ever knew. I like I, I literally <laughs> delivered it to him in a Manila envelope. Yes, and I slid it over to him, and I was like, "Hey, can I? And I'll take that back after you read it." <laughs> I just was so obsessed with M Night Shyamalan, and I was like, I had so read so much about how protective he is about the scripts. So I was like, "This one has to be protective." And now it's like, yeah, that thing could have been found and. <laughs> It would have just been recycled. Hey, it was a good script. So yeah, next thing you know, we're like, we should just start writing the script together. And I had written one feature film of my own many years before, just on my own. I knew in my mind, and you know, this is me having just co-produced a movie that did quite well. And I was, I could see the path ahead of me working as an independent film producer. And I could see like, okay, I got to do these kinds of movies. And eventually I'll make a movie of my own that can blow up. And then all of that was clear to me. But what wasn't clear was how I could ever be a screenwriter because that was something that I had as a deep passion. And like I said, I'd written a movie before that had done well on a very like cult level of success. That was my big family family, a movie I wrote and directed about my own life that found a good amount of success in the Armenian community. But when it came to quote unquote real movies, I didn't have a plan. And here was this really talented student, you know, now friend who were very like-minded. And I knew even beyond our taste in films, like you're Indian, I'm Armenian, but there's a lot of similarity there. And I just remember it was kind of like plunging right into it. It was like, all right, so what's the opening? In this particular movie, which is called Animal Heist, it's a story about the world's greatest thief who gets pulled into the wildest job ever, which is to steal a 400-pound gorilla from the LA Zoo mm -hmm. to save its life. Mm -hmm. You know, studios, please, uh, you can line we right up. We were so confident. We were like, this is going to start a bidding war. This is it. This is our ticket.
writing that script really did establish the foundation of how we have then gone on to write. We wrote Searching Together. We wrote Run Together. These are two movies that have come out and, you know, have found good success, honestly. And then we co-wrote the story treatment for Missing, which Mm -hmm. is the follow-up to Searching. Mm -hmm. Having gone through this experience multiple times, while the process has shifted in all the obvious ways and lessons learned, it has kind of been roughly the same. Let's break it down. Like, usually there's the single sentence idea for a project. It's like a single line. Hey, what about a movie about a child who like learns that the mother has been keeping a deep, dark secret from them and it's about their own health? And it's like, we've talked about tons of ideas, but these ideas come as just a single sentence. I feel like you were always or are always good at seeing the potential of a sentence. Can you find an idea that within one sentence or a paragraph, you can clearly communicate why this concept is more elevated than the traditional approach of that same story. To me, the best idea is when I just see it. Like I know what act one is, I know what act two is, I know what act three is. And like, I can see the twists and turns and like in that single sentence in Missing, which is a sequel to Searching, it's okay, the daughter this time is looking for the parent. And that idea was placed against other ideas that we also Mm -hmm. had, but you always knew what that idea was. Like, is there enough meat on the bones? Is there enough for theme? Is there enough for cool sequences? And that is a usually short process. The period that I just look forward to always, and even, you know, when we're past that point, I still look back towards it, is the blue skies <laughs> period. Guys, yeah. And what that looks like for you and I, and oftentimes we're not, we're not even in person, you know, yeah. I'll be traveling or you'll be living in New York or whatever. It's just long phone calls. Like there's yeah. very little structure to it. We get on a phone call and it's like, okay, so guy looking for his missing daughter using her computer. That's all we got. Tonally, is this a taken? Is there like violence? Is he using action to get her? Probably not. And it's like, okay, more of a mystery. Like, okay, well, if this is a real movie, not a computer movie in Searching's case, act two is probably when he begins the search in earnest. So then what does that make act one? And it's like, well, I guess half of act one is when she goes missing. So then what's he doing for the rest of act one? And we realize, well, she could be missing. He just doesn't know it yet. And there's a tension in that. And we start to realize, well, wait, if that's the case, then what's this movie about? It's actually about him realizing he doesn't know his daughter. And like, these are the conversations that I look forward to all the time you and I writing a single movie as writing partners, it's really like you and I writing like 10 movies. Yeah. Because yeah. just in the process of trying to find the right movie, we've gone way down the path of other ideas, of other versions. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, but I do find it exhilarating. Yeah. In that blue sky process, the thing that is most important to come out of is understanding what are the five most important inflection points or plot points in the narrative, meaning what is our inciting incident? Mm-hmm. What is our break to two? What is our midpoint? What's our break three? Mm -hmm. And then what's the ending of the movie? Mm -hmm. You know, like understanding those is a lot of the fun of this blue sky process. And then we get to outlining, in which case there's more of that. And we just spend a variable amount of time. We've spent two months on outlining. Mm -hmm. We have spent six months on outlining. And in our last project, most recent project, we've spent a year and a half to two years on outlining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Each one is different as to when you know you're done with it. And, you know, we've been by trade so far, like writers who write on spec, you know, like when a writer of their own volition sets out to write a full script, they're not being paid to write it. They haven't pitched it as an idea. They're kind of not on the hook. They're entirely writing it with no guarantee that they'll ever see money for it. The benefit of doing that is when you have a good script that you've finished writing, you now have a piece of content, a piece of material that you can leverage with the right packaging to set it up and sell it. So, you know, that is how you and I tend to write. We take our time. And I do think time is part of the recipe, undeniably. Yeah. And 
a lot of our structure is based on Blake Snyder's beat sheet from Save the Cat. I would call it like the gateway to screenwriting education. Mm -hmm. Totally. I'm a big believer in the idea that your movie's logline is act 2A. So it's like, what is, if it's a guy searching for his missing daughter, that's when that happens. Yep. And if it's a girl trying to figure out a mystery about her mom, that's when that happens. And then the midpoint, obviously, like you said, we got to just hit those milestones and then we start fleshing it out. And we use Google Drive. We make chapter titles for every one of our scripts. And we're not even touching Final Draft usually until after the outlining, which mostly happens on Google Docs. I mean, let's, let's talk about what that feels like. It's funny. Sometimes it's an outline. On a run, it was a beat sheet. Think of a beat like a a moment in a story, an inflection point, a moment where a character's emotion changes or a decision changes. And basically a beat sheet is a chronological line of events and moments in the story that all add up to the story itself. Run it was like literally a spreadsheet. Uh, it, yeah, it was it like cells. A, yeah, it was like Microsoft Excel style. Yeah, Opening yeah. image, every image, because mm -hmm. the whole movie we always knew was such a I like to call it a left to right movie where mm -hmm. like every immediate action is constantly affecting the next action. So if that was not on a computer, it would have been postcards yeah. on a wall, on a wall. for instance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. And then this next one, we started being like, okay, inciting incident, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and like writing big paragraphs immediately goes to you. You mark it up, mm -hmm. you know, like there's more notes than there's words generally two to one. Yeah. And then we'll talk about it and then we'll figure out on this call what to do about it. And it's all very iterative. Yeah. Oftentimes we'll leave something knowing it probably needs to get far more work done, but we'll come back on it. And I think the benefit of being a writing partnership and so often is that we'll compete with each other and disagree with each other. And that conflict I have found has really breeded good material. Yeah. Our conflict is always on the story, never on ego. It's never like my idea has got to win because it's mine. It's we got to find the right idea. Let's say we'll end a call saying, okay, I really think in this outline scene, it should be red and I'm saying it should be blue. And those are two things where it's mutually exclusive. It has to be either one or the other. We'll often hang up and then the next time we chat, it's almost like we're going to court. And this is one thing I love about our outline phase. I really like being able to hang up and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, do that, you know, sure, where it's sure. just like, why didn't you see the same page, blah, blah, blah. And then you spend all day thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Said, when are you going to talk next? What are your avails? Blah, 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 mm -hmm, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And then first thing you get on the phone, okay, I've been thinking about it since we last hung up. And mm -hmm. you have a different approach to it. But like that ability yeah. to disconnect from each other and vent or have a life or do whatever and reconvene yeah. has been so productive for our outlining process. Yeah. And when we reconnect, we're bringing a pitch to each other. And yeah. it's not just, hey, what about this? It's like, hey, we start with X and then we do Y and then we do Z and then this happens and that's why that happens. And that's like, we're really bringing homework that oftentimes I will convince you or you yeah. will convince me yeah. and then we feel good about it. And this all comes up quite a bit in the feedback process that we've established. So for Searching One, the first movie that we wrote together after that initial one, we established this really radical way of getting feedback, which was we prepared a Google spreadsheet that had three sections to it, like what we called general questions, macro questions, and micro questions. And the general questions were, what did you think of the movie? What was the fastest part? What was the slowest part? Can you give a rating when it comes to characters, to the ending, to the whatever? The macro questions were, 
how would you characterize David Kim's arc? You know, like, or what do you think about the relationship that David had with his daughter? Or what do you think about the mystery? What do you think about this particular revelation? Then the micro questions is where it gets really insane. It's like, okay, on page three of your script, there's this one line the character says, did you laugh at that line? Oh, on page 26, did you understand what this beat was meaning to say? Or were you confused? Um, did you want to understand it? Are you okay being confused? And came up with this crazy spreadsheet. That's like 170 questions by the end oh, of yeah. it, you know? And when we would send the script to friends, we would ask them like, hey, we'd love for you to read our script, but just heads up, we're going to have a call with you and we're going to ask you a thousand questions. And that's exactly what we did. We had people read the script and we would get on a call with them and we would just have the phone on speaker and you or I are taking notes and we would just mine information and really understand what was working, what was not. Because when I was an indie producer, I would always read every script desperately wanting to love the script, but always finding moments that would just bump for me. And like a bump would be something that didn't, you know, register the way I thought it should have, or I'm like, I can't tell if I'm supposed to feel this way, or the line was clunky. And I was really determined to have our scripts read really well and be tight. And we would get six or seven readers at a time and we would compare their answers and you and I would analyze the spreadsheet and we would highlight in yellow, oh yeah, that joke did not land. Or like if you and I were feuding about something, being like, hey, this beat, people are going to get it or people are not going to get it. It's not like the biggest sample size, but just, you know, four or five trusted readers, three out of the five were confused. That is enough for us to want to make changes. And in this outline phase, sometimes if you and I cannot land on an agreement, usually one of us will concede and be like, all right, well, let's just see what happens in feedback. And, you know, half the time it works, half the time it doesn't. But either way, we always walk away with important data that when we submit eventually a script to buyers or to actors or to whoever, there's a little bit more confidence that we'll have that, okay, we have a good feeling that those beats that were so important to us, we know that they're going to register. Yeah, we've done this with searching. We did it with run. We're doing with our next film. And every stage of it, not just the first draft, but if there's a second draft, we'll get five more people, six more people. And I was looking through those files today <laughs> before this, and I was just like, dude, it's it's incredible. Like you see the dates of the questions and every tab is a different person reading but that draft. And then the questions, when you solve them, eliminate. So each draft you're yeah. asking less and less, 170 questions becomes 100 questions, it becomes 50 questions, becomes 10, you know? And so it's it's such an interesting process to see what people think of it. And by the end of it, yeah, you're just going out with a little bit more awareness of what are the flaws or what are the things that work really well. When we switch to the final draft phase, like one thing that I have noticed when we were initially writing together, I mean, like our early days of being writing partners, you would often write a scene and send it to me. And I would basically rewrite it almost from scratch. And as we've done, every movie has moved on and on and on. I have less rewriting to do. I think we've just naturally merged into each other's voices. Yeah. By the way, I'm realizing we haven't talked about our research phase, which yeah. we go pretty hard on research. Yeah. And I do think one of the mistakes that I have seen oftentimes with writers is that they go so hard on their research that the research ends up becoming the writing. You always say this. Um, and it's so important to not fall into that trap. Yep. You know, the research should inform the story, but it shouldn't become the story. And I think don't let yourself have your characters do or say things just because you've seen that that's actually how it goes. Like that has yeah. to still ultimately, you know, tell the narrative that you're trying to tell and, and you know, fill into the theme, obviously. But on this next one, it's a heist movie yeah. set in the real world. So there's a grounded element to it. And it's almost like for you and I to write, how would people pull off this heist? Yeah, You and I essentially had to, 
to learn how to do it. Literally. Yeah. And that involved you and I flying all over the country. Yeah. We've literally tried to get access into the space that our characters try to. Yeah. It didn't work. Did not work. <laughs> so we wrote a movie. <laughs> exactly. We have somehow found through the power of the internet and friends and friends and friends. We've talked to lawyers. We've talked to ex-government people. We've talked to mechanics. We got a tour of the Ford factory at one point because yeah, that was going to be a yeah. big thing. We really did our homework on this thing. And sometimes it also happens in the writing where it's like you realize like at the end of the day, the character is going to do what they want to do. And sometimes you realize like what the outline said was what you want them to do. How do you marry the two of them? And sometimes that opens it up to a whole new questions uh, back into research. And you're like, shit, did we just do this whole thing mm -hmm. to take too long? But yeah, research is, is such a process that, especially on this last film, it just took so long. But it's fascinating because sometimes 90% of research is like, well, this idea wouldn't work. And then I hang up the call and be like, well, obviously that didn't work. And Sev would be like, no, there's still one way we can make our idea work. I think one thing that we often do with research is we we don't do it in a way like, let's just collect all the data we can and find a story. We usually have a POV. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're like, we're going in with like a, can character do X, Y, Z to accomplish B or whatever. And they'll right? say no. And we'll say, okay, they'll but say what no. if gun to their head, they had to do it? Like, how, how could they do, do it? it? And, yeah. you know, we'll get some answers. And when you watch a movie as an audience member, you feel if there's an authenticity happening on the screen. Mm -hmm. I think that's always what we're chasing. And Part of the fun is that like audiences walking away being like, wait, I never thought that was even possible. And looking it up and being like, dang, like, I guess it is. And sometimes if the research doesn't point us to the direction, that's where yeah. we just have to fictionalize. Like, yeah, if you look at Run, the, the midpoint of the film is a confirmation from the daughter that there's a certain piece of medication that plays a big role in the film is completely made up. Mm -hmm. And we tried so hard to figure out how this could actually work in a narrative. Like what we wanted in the story could be accomplished by real medicine in a way that the story was changing into something we still liked and we couldn't. So we're like, okay, let's just actually make it the simplest version. It's a fake medicine. And suddenly like our story goes mm -hmm. on and it's as simple and neat as we've always wanted it to be. Exactly. All right, so here are the steps again. I think one is the initial idea. And that's usually when one of us, historically, it's been a niche, has like, hey, what about a movie about XYZ? Single sentence, and we entertain it. We could throw it back and forth. Nine times out of 10, we throw it away. And every now and then, it becomes a movie that we want to start writing. Yep, and then it's the Blue Skies idea, or phase, which is the portion of the process where we're just sort of throwing out every image moment character, plot point, feeling that we could want from this story. And we're just all throwing it at the wall. This is where I get a moleskin. This is where Sev's on the phone with me all the time. And we're just playing. And we're just seeing what we respond to most, seeing the things that we remember from a call from a week ago, what sticks, what doesn't stick. And then from there, we kind of figure out what are our sort of major moments in the story? Who are our characters? And how do we take this to the next stage? And by the way, that phase also includes what we call story molecules, which is like, hey, what if there was a stock photo image who yeah. later we find out is someone else? Yep. We have no idea where it's going to go into the movie, but ooh, yep. that's a cool idea. And yep. then it ends up becoming, what you know, What if our three. two main characters meet randomly mm -hmm. at a random spot and have a conversation? Yeah. Yeah, just those exactly. kinds of what ifs. So then we have step three, which is outlining. And this is where we spend 90% of any project. It's similar to the blue skies, but it's very structured towards, okay, so we're looking, we're working today on scene number one. 
What are some opening images? Ooh, Anisha has an idea. Ooh, Seb hates that idea. Okay, well, let's come up with a new idea. And that is endless phone calls, usually a Google document that is being fleshed out, sometimes live, sometimes in between calls. And it's where the meat of our process is, really trying to boil down to who has a better idea as far as like what should happen next. Yeah, next step after that is taking that outline and moving it to final draft. This is the process where this idea actually starts looking like an actual screenplay. We'll start drafting scenes based on the outline we've already made, little sections of it that are organized based on the little chapters that we've already written in the outline. I'll do a pass. It goes to Sev. Sev do a pass. Sev writes notes. It comes back to me. We'll talk about it. Eventually, we do that piece by piece by piece by piece by piece by piece by piece of the whole thing. We put it all together. We read it again. have a thousand more notes. And once it comes to a point where we're like, okay, I think this is enough to go on to the next stage, we'll pass it on. And then we have our final stage, which is feedback. Usually the first person who will read it is our producing partner, Natalie Kasabian. She'll give us tons of notes, which we always should listen to. Then we have feedback with the general, what we call virgin readers, which are usually friends of ours who may not even know what the movie's about. At least one or two of them who we send to are not even filmmakers, which is by design. And this is where we have a really in-depth spreadsheet of a thousand questions, you know, realistically a hundred questions that we ask every reader to give an opinion on and that we you tain, we turn that into a notes document for ourselves. So we do another another draft or two. That's when we're ready to send it out and, you know, get the movies made. Yep. We got, it's like, what, like six steps of this process? It's like one, initial idea, two, blue skies, my fave, three, outlining with kind of like a four research heavy portion of that. Five is the final draft portion. And then six is the feedback portion. I think that kind of covers, you know, between six months to three years of, of yeah. how we write a script. 80% of our time is in steps one, two, three, four. Yeah. And then 20% of our time is in uh, five and six. Yeah. Or the final draft and, and feedback. Yeah. Step eight is therapy. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't. So Anish, we do this thing with every episode where we talk about procs, recs. Okay. Recommendations of any sort. It could be books, movies, hobbies, behaviors, tips, things that you would recommend to our listeners, maybe along the lines of forming or finding good writing partners or partnerships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this on my way over here. And I was like, what piece of advice or tip would I give somebody beyond like the save the cat, beyond the basic education that I think we all need to have as a baseline. Beyond that, I think something that you did really well on Missing, Back Then Searching 2, when we were pitching the idea was you pitched the trailer. And ever since then, when I think about an idea, I just think about what the trailer would be. Does the trailer convince you that this is something that you haven't seen before? And if you can't answer yes, it's important at that moment to be like, okay, this very worthy path that I'm going down to find something that might be good may not be the thing that at the end of the day is going to help the most because that'll be a very disappointing day after you spend two years on a project only to learn that it's not quote unquote theatrical enough or it's not original enough or it's not whatever enough. It's just to sort of like, imagine the trailer. Is that trailer freaking sick? Because if it isn't, not going to see the movies. That's yeah, what I started doing. That's so true. I think for me, when you're entertaining a writing partner, 
the two most important qualities that I would look for is work ethic, because I think Anish and I both are workaholics. Yeah. And when we hang up a phone call, we know that the other person is going to work yeah. infinitely hard to accomplish this idea or to overcome this argument. I don't ever want to disappoint Anish. And I imagine you might feel the same way. Because I do we, feel the same way. When we get on these calls, it's like, okay, like I did my homework. I have my pitch. And, and it's not like, you know, we're just doing it to argue for argument's sake. Yeah. The other thing is I think find a partner who you can have fun with because I also equally look forward to our calls because yeah. we always have a blast. And we we make fun of our own ideas infinitely. Like yeah. we're like, we'll pitch the stupidest stuff and we'll just laugh about it for half an hour, even though we should probably should be writing on the next scene. You know, we waste the first 10 minutes of each call just catching up or mm -hmm. like talking about whatever. And I think it makes it less grueling. I don't know how people do this alone sometimes, to yeah, be honest with you. Same. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. It can be done, obviously, certainly is. But it is so nice to have a writing partner who I know is going to work their butt off. And equally, I will have a good time writing with them. Well, Anish, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having this chat with me. And thanks for coming on to In Proximity. Thank you for having me. In Proximity is a production of Proximity Media. If you like the show, be sure to follow, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And tell your friends and loved ones to do the same. If there's someone in your life who you think might like this show, send them a link. For more information about the films and projects mentioned on today's episode, head to proximitymedia.com and follow at Proximity Media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. The show is produced by me, Paul Amardo. Executive producers are Ryan Kugler. Zinzi Kugler, Sevohanian, and me. Our theme song and additional music is composed by Ludwig Gorenson. Ken Nana is our sound designer and mix engineer. Paulina Charizova is our production assistant. Audio editing for this episode is by Judy Bell Kamangyan. Special thanks to the whole Proximity Media team and to you for listening to In Proximity. Meet you back here next week. In the meeting, it was kind of like weird because now we were meeting with the head of the company. There was executives and financiers. And they said, we don't want to make a short, which was a bummer. Instead, we want to make a feature-length version of your movie. Take that short film idea you have and have you guys will both write it and we'll pay you. Sev, you'll be the lead producer and Anish will have you direct it. What do you say? And then Anish said, no. I immediately tried it. I was like, he means no problem. Yeah, yeah. No and he's like do. kicking me out. I remember him kicking me out of the table. Literally, I was kicking yeah. him. I'm like, bro, like, it's hard out of here, man. Like, <laughs> like, uh... <laughs>